And welcome back in Stripe Show Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Something a little different here. It's a Friday afternoon. First wave just finishing up, up in Connecticut. And uh, here we are, another podcast, little happy hour edition. Getting things started here on the East Coast. It's 1.30. By the time you hear it, it might be 3.30, could be 5.30, could be 7.30, but whatever time it is, as long as it's past noon, you know, a little happy hour. Talk a little golf with us. Got a great guest here. I'll introduce here shortly, but some golf on TV right now, live golf. This is the third event since PGA Tour has come back. Travelers Championship up in TPC River Highlands. I've got my iPad going. Phil Mickelson putting for birdie right now on the third hole. He's five under. Afternoon wave getting rolling. PGA Tour Live, check it out. Get the app. Great coverage. Got a good group here. Rory, Field, Bryson hitting bombs. Phil trying to keep up with the two long ball hitters on the PGA Tour. And a lot of storylines to uh, kick it off here. Will Gordon. Goodness gracious. Do you think PGA Tour golf is deep? May not have heard of Will Gordon before. He uh, he played the McKinsey Tour last year. That's why. Played in the SEC at Vanderbilt. And uh, you look him up, and the only stat you're going to get in pro golf on the McKinsey Tour last year, where he didn't even win on the McKinsey Tour. Got a special exemption uh, invite here by Travelers. And you know what he did today? He shot 62. Back that up. 66, 62, 12 under. He's leading. By two, McKenzie Hughes teeing off. He shot 60 yesterday. Thought we were going to see a 59. But uh, unbelievable. Will Gordon climbs the leaderboard and shoots 62 today on a sponsor invite to be leading the Travelers Championship. So much golf to get to here this afternoon. As Bryson DeChambeau's putting for his birdie on the third hole. Par four. Plays about 400 and. 15 yards. I played this and we just missed it on the right hand side. I played TBC River Highlands uh, a while back. Great golf course. Love the little run here of these three courses that we're seeing. TBC River Highlands, of course, last week down there at Hilton Head, Harbor Town, and then the week before in Colonia. We're kind of getting a little bit of everything. The Bombers showing up to three tracks that, you know, they normally don't play. Uh, they like to play some of the bigger ballparks, like we'll see coming up later in the season. Um, but it's been fun to see them play these golf courses and uh, mix it up with uh, some of the plotters, if you will, guys that are not going to overpower these golf courses and uh, and, and just kind of see how it all plays out. So lots of good golf coming up. want to bring in our guest here. His name is Alex Riggs, one of the top teachers uh, in the game. He was based in Dubai for seven years, but he's back here now in North America. He's actually up just north of Toronto kicking off his season. He's a guy that does all kinds of uh, online instruction. We actually use the same platform, Skillis. A lot of uh, you listening right with me taking my online training programs or working with me one-on-one, and Alex Riggs uses the same platform. And we're going to bring him in here now. Alex, how you doing, my friend? Great, Travis. Really good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for joining us here. Um, You know, as I'm sitting here, I'm watching golf and I know that uh, much of your education, as you were getting into the game, you actually worked um, under Sean Foley down in Orlando for a period of time. And as I'm looking through the scores here, Justin Rose just recently kind of went on his own away from from Sean, who they had a nice run together, of course, those two. 
And uh, I was surprised to see Justin struggle here at the Traveler 67-73 even par. He's going to miss the cut. Were you a little surprised when you saw Justin uh, break the tie with Sean? I, I was. You know, they obviously had a very good relationship for a number of years and, you know, would have ticked off many, many goals that they would have placed together. But uh, they did some great things together. And whatever path they are now taking, I'm sure that it was mutually decided upon. So I'm happy for Justin and I wish him the best going forward. Yeah. And you worked with, um, you've had some experience yourself, right? Working with some professionals um, as well down there in Orlando, but also in Dubai. I know you traveled all around um, Asia over there in Europe, um, Africa. You've had tons of experience working with a lot of top players. Yeah, that's that's one thing about living in Dubai is that it's it's really such a hub for the other side of the world. We we get lots of players coming through from the European tour, Asian tour, some of the tours in India and Africa. So it's we, we see a lot of good players. It's kind of in many ways it's almost like the Florida of the Middle East in that way. So it's being there for for 7 years now. It's it's a great spot to meet talented players and players from very very different backgrounds. Give us, give us a little feel for just golf in Dubai versus golf here in the United States. I mean, how would you compare the two as far as the way that it is um, in everyday life over there versus how it is here? Fairly similar for the most part. Like Dubai is a spot where, given that it is such a cultural clash, you can really play any sport that you want to. And, and golf being such an international game, there's obviously money in Dubai, so they've built some really tremendous golf courses. And it's become quite, quite a travel hub for golfers. We, we get golfers, especially from the, the Eastern world, coming over for vacation, playing different courses, just wanting to see Dubai and, and taste some of the food that they have to offer. And the golf course scene is, is very good, very high standard golf courses from, from impressive designers. The, the course that I do my coaching out of, the, the Trump Dubai, was designed by Gil Hans. And a great golf course. It would hold up to, to, to many top courses in North America. Watching a little golf right here as uh, Rory McIlroy makes another birdie, gets it to eight under par. And, uh, you know, I almost forgot here. Hold on one second. There we go. Now it's, <laughs> now it's Official. officially happy hour. On, uh, there you go. On the Stripe Show podcast. It is 139 here on the East Coast. I understand on the West Coast, you're probably not quite to noon yet. But, you know, who knows? You'll get there eventually. McElroy, uh, eight under, he's looking awfully good here. Uh, he was, you know, that 63 he shot yesterday, you know, I, I mean, it looked so easy. I mean, it, it is easy to these guys. This game is easy to them, but 63 is not supposed to look that easy. No, it, it to me, looking at sort of his stats from yesterday, it seemed as that was as high as he could have shot. You know, he, he didn't necessarily drain bombs all day. It was just a, a standard go-around, but he was, was just putting himself in position that he couldn't really shoot any higher than that. <clears throat> Bryson DeChambeau just hit another bomb here on the fourth. What do you make of him right now? All this weight. <laughs> I love it. He's I love on. it. What do you, uh, you think we're going to see more of this? I hope so. I, I like the I like the idea of sort of stretching the norm and, you know, putting a little bit more time into other areas than just the driving range. And like, obviously, he's doing some tremendous stuff with with his coaching staff. But it's just to see him come back this season as a new human being, um, you know, a completely different looking athlete. I think it's great for the game. And um, I hope that we start seeing a little bit more of this. 
Yeah, I talked to Chris Como last week and we were talking about some of the things that they were doing. And Chris told me that down at the in Texas, they played a practice round with Rory and Bryson is playing with Rory here today as well, along with Phil, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, he was 20 past him. He was like, he couldn't believe it. Like Bryson was legitimately 20 past Rory McIlroy. Do you think, do you think they're going to have to tailor it back a little bit, the golf ball on the pro level? I don't know. It's, it's such a questionable call. Like, I guess you can argue both points. There's still certainly golf courses out there in the world that, don't necessarily favor that type of bomber style golf. So it, it's such a questionable call in, in the end. I like it. I like sort of stretching the athleticism. I like guys going for it and, and pushing the limits, you know, Rory's fun to watch Rory having spent a lot of time watching Rory hit golf balls in Dubai. I didn't think I'd ever see anybody hit it much harder than he does. So to, <laughs> yeah, right. to hear that Bryson's hitting at 20 by him is absolutely scary. And there's guys in the web doc, or excuse me, the corn Ferry tour um, that, are longer. I mean, there's yeah. guys that are coming and it's just such a deep pool. We're seeing it right now with Will Gordon, who, you know, is playing his first PGA tour event and played McKinsey tour last year, which in baseball terms is like double a, that's not even the corn fairy tour. And here he is playing with the best players in the world. This is an incredible field, by the way. And he's leading the golf tournament for crying out loud. And we'll see how he can do, you know, coming in down the stretch. Um, but very impressive um, is the guy from Vanderbilt, graduated back in 2019. Denny McCarthy had to withdraw after shooting 67 after testing positive for COVID-19. Bud Colley, who played with him, um, I don't believe tested positive, but decided, but decided to withdraw as well. So we're continuing to work through this pandemic. Give me your thoughts on the PGA Tour and the job that they're doing right now. This is three weeks now and, and there's a few tests popping up and all in all um, uh, it, to me, they've done a pretty good job. Yeah. I have to agree with you. It, it certainly looks like they're taking every precaution available and to only have a couple cases pop up over these three weeks is quite impressive. And with, with whoop just jumping on board and, and trying to help with the ability to sort of measure things beforehand, it really does seem like they're making sure everything is aligned. Talk to me about little distance here as I, I watch these guys, Tyler McCumber, who, um, you know, got the spot um, after Brooks Kepka withdrew early um, on, or I should say midweek there as um, his, his caddy tested positive. And Tyler is a Ponte Vedra guy. He lives um, not too far from me, actually, here in Northeast Florida. His dad, of course, a great PGA Tour player, lives here. And um, it's cool to see him get the start. He's four under playing well. When you when you look at power, right, and you watch these big hitters, Rory, Bryson, you know, Phil still along at the age of 50, and people are listening, <clears throat> they want more speed. You know, how do where where are you going first? Where do you like to look from a technique standpoint? Kind of forget about centerness of contact for a second, but mm-hmm. just in the recruitment of just how do I gain more speed? Give me one or two areas that you're going to look first thing is always going to be length of swing. I think for the, for the most part, if, if I don't know the person all that well, let's say it's an online lesson and I'm just sort of seeing things visually, it's, it's going to be length of swing. If, if they're a short swinger of the golf club, you can't expect everybody to be as strong as a John Ram or a JB Holmes. I suppose, you know, if, if they're swinging much shorter than what they're capable of, 
typically would find that by getting a little bit longer arc, they're naturally going to be able to gain a little bit of horsepower. And that's, you know, that's, that's one for sure. Um, another one's just going to be how much they're turning and that's obviously going to factor into the length of the backswing as well. But if, if the player is only completing 70 to 80% of what they're, they have available to them with their turn, they've got a lot left in the tank. I just want to interrupt this interview real quick and give a shout out to my friends over at Encore Golf. Encore provides some of the most cutting edge technology in a golf ball that I have ever seen. Their team in Buffalo, New York is changing the script of golf technology through their perimeter weighted designs, which offer players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course. With their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I find myself spending more time lengthening out people mm. in their swings than shortening them up, you know, teaching them how to change knee flex and extend their spine and, you know, just lengthening it out a little bit, particularly in the backswing to, you know, just have something to work with. Right. And, you know, of course, as we get older, we, we, we tend to move less and absolutely it's really easy just to kind of stay right there and not move or some kind of, you know, they, they might sway off the ball, but, you know, lengthening out swings properly is something that you can do um, online. I mean, online lessons is a real thing now. It's a real business and you stay pretty busy with it. Yeah, certainly. It's, it's absolutely a functional way for people to be able to learn. And it's in some ways, it's quite interesting. It can almost be a faster way for people to learn. I find that, you know, since, since doing a lot more online lessons and being in contact with people almost on a day-to-day -day basis, that regular consistent feedback versus the standard, maybe go for a lesson once a week and, you know, you might exchange a, a text message with your pro once a week as well. The, the consistent feedback is really what's going to facilitate the most effective learning, I find. And and you can do that with online lessons and, and players can work with coaches in any country imaginable as long as they sort of mesh together and they they speak the same language. And yep. it's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. And we both use the Skillis app, which is great. Uh, you can find us both there talking with Alex Riggs. You can also find him on Instagram at Riggs Golf. Um, does a lot of cool stuff there. Nice following. And uh, watching Bryson DeChambeau here. He just stuffed it in there about three feet. He's going to get this to 600, believes, for him at this point. When I look at Bryson, and Chris and I were talking about this, like, you know, he's bigger, 30 pounds, <laughs> you know, 30 pounds since he was in college, right? And that right. wasn't that long ago. So, sure. And, but, Yes, he's bulkier. Yes, he's bigger, but he has still maintained the length of his swing. He hasn't gotten Correct. shorter. And I watched him hit this drive here on the long par four fourth. And of course, it was just full throttle. I mean, he was yeah. I mean, he was just, I mean, went after it. And then, you know, he's got about a nine iron into it, but it was still a nice long swing, you know, with the short iron. I mean, he's, he's still lengthened out. He hasn't, he hasn't gotten shorter by any stretch as far as the length of swing. Of course. And it's such a misconception to, to most people who haven't spent much time in the gym. They, they just instantly assume that as soon as you get stronger, you get more immobile. 
And, you know, it doesn't need to be the case. I, I think that people, as soon as they, they think about lifting weights, they assume everyone's going to start looking like Ronnie Coleman within a couple of weeks. But um, unfortunately, it's not, not the reality. And uh, you, you can obviously have both. You can have strength and you can still maintain that mobility. I want to talk to you about this golf ball, okay? Because yeah. we both are a fan of the same golf ball. I'm a huge fan of Encore Golf, as people know, um, on my site. And, and, and so are you. Um, when I first met them, a uh, company out of Buffalo, who's doing some great stuff, uh, they have a great backend technology, but they also have a great line of golf balls and they're absolutely smoking it. You don't see them out there on tour cause they're not paying players, but I can promise you the golf ball is fantastic. And when I first started with them, it was the elixir, you know, the elixir ball, uh, it was just awesome. I mean, I absolutely fell in love with it. Golf Digest gave it, um, you know, it, it won gold um, in their survey, which was huge. But now they've come out with a new one. And I played it a couple times last week. And I got to tell you, I think the ball is actually even a little bit better yet. I know it's a little bit longer, the Vero X1. Um, they've got two great balls here between the Vero X1 and the Elixir. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I think I would have come across these guys a year and a half, maybe nearly two years ago. And and similar to yourself, they they sent me a couple of the elixirs. And I think myself, like like potentially many, when you when you're given a golf ball that you haven't heard of, you don't really have the anticipation it's going to be all that good. Right. But it blew me away. You know, it was it was quality, great, great spin control, great feel. And then I sort of had that assumption that after, after as soft as it felt around the greens, that it wasn't going to perform as well off the tee, but I was completely wrong. It was an absolute beast and it, it matched everything else I tested. So I, I've been a huge fan of it. I've given it to tons of my players to try and everybody has instantly fallen in love with it. So it's been a huge success. Yeah, it really is. I got to tell you a story. I, I, I helped Golden Tate, of course, the receiver for, um, uh, the New York Giants, but Golden Tate's a Seahawk in my head. I'm a diehard Seahawk fan. And so we did the podcast and I said, Golden, I'm going to send you something. And he said, sure. So I sent him these, I sent him the elixirs and he texted me after he plays. He just, he absolutely loved him. He says, I, I want to talk to these guys. I want to get more. <laughs> so I, I, I put him in contact and, you know, he's just like in love with the, uh, with the elixir, but it was just funny. Someone like that who plays a lot of golf um, has a lot of stuff that he he can get his hands on. Clearly, absolutely. Yeah. And he just fell in love with it so much that he called me right after his round. He shot seventy nine. He's like, "Man, this ball is fantastic." And I think he made a good point about the length. It does do well around the greens. But I, oh, you know, when I first was going through the testing, and I was like, you know, I play with, you know, there's a group of guys you play with, and you know where you yeah. are distance wise. Exactly. I thought I was. I thought. I was even a little bit beyond where I normally was. And I even felt that even um, with the, the Vero X1. And I think when you look at these two balls and I start kind of breaking it down, I've been making a few notes. Um, I think, I think in the end, like the faster club head speeds are probably going to gravitate a little bit more towards the Vero X1. And then your average, your you know, maybe slightly under that slower speeds, probably towards, um, the elixir, but both of them, both these golf balls, I assure you, um, they outperform your name brands. I mean, I know your Titleist, your Callaways. I promise you, I've been playing those balls for many, many years. These two, these two golf balls are, are right next to them and beyond. 
Yeah, absolutely. I would completely agree with you. I was just able to test the Vero actually last week. And um, prior to that, I just shipped it around the backyard a couple times. So it was nice to actually get out of the golf course with it. But it's, yeah. I definitely found that it's, it's a touch further off the tee. It's a hair firmer, which, you know, that's, yeah. that's one thing that I, I would agree with you. I think that it's going to be a golf ball that maybe that slightly higher club head speed player might be gravitating towards, whereas that more mid to lower club head speed player is going to be looking towards that elixir, but both golf balls are going to compete against anything in the game right now. Yeah. A couple things. The elixir is 80 compression. The Vero is 85. Um, the elixir is a three piece ball. The Vero is a four piece. Um, and then, you know, the best thing about them, obviously they perform exceptionally well. Your, your faster speeds, again, Vero, maybe slightly slower the elixir, but check this out. The price for the elixir, a dozen, 29 bucks. The Vero is 39 bucks. <laughs> exactly. How about that? <laughs> no, it, it's fantastic. It's, and it just becomes, it's a golf ball that just opens up an entirely new market. So yeah. instead of those people that would be looking at a, at a substandard golf ball for that sort of a price range can now play a truly premium ball. Yeah, it, it, it's exciting. They're doing great um, direct to consumer. And uh, it's just fun to be a part of them. Really good guys too. I, I really enjoy um, working with their team on um, some content initiatives. Um, they're very, you know, out in front with um, their golf balls. They, they're very confident in the way that um, they're performing and they put them up against all the top balls and they're right there performing as well, if not better than them. You can check them out at encoregolf.com. I want to ask you a question here as I, Turn back to the leaderboard. Uh, Victor Hovland climbing the board again. Very solid player. But if I had to give you four names and you got to pick one and say that this guy is going to have the best career of the four. So you got Victor Hovland. You got Colin Morikawa, who missed the cut today, by mm. the way, for the first time. Uh, yeah, that's right. 22 consecutive cuts he's made. This is the first one he's missed. Um, the, the best start to consecutive cuts made to a career was tiger at 25 just to give you a little perspective yeah yeah so you got colin morikawa you got victor hovland um you got matthew wolf and then you got sunjai m i'm throwing sunjai m in there you got to pick one okay you got to pick one who are you taking i'm i'm taking at this point morikawa i think he is such an impressive player him and hovland it would be in my opinion the two top dogs amongst those four both guys just blow me away with their talent Morikawa, like especially from a, just a standpoint of reliability week to week, it's scary, scary consistent numbers that he's been able to put up. Yeah. Um, but but Victor as well. I mean, he just does so many things well. I think his mindset is so good for this game as well. He's been a fun guy to watch too. Yes, yeah, he has. And you know, I you, from a ball striking standpoint, you're certainly kind of leading towards Morikawa. I mean, he is a ball striking machine. Correct. Um, you know, his opportunity is his putting. He, you know, he can, he can look a little shaky from time to time with the yeah. putter, but, but uh, clearly he, he can roll the rock too. You don't make 22 consecutive cuts with uh, exactly. not being able to putt. Um, this Victor Hovland though, he, you know, he's, he just seems like he's kind of starting to figure it out here and, and um, just a very sound, solid player. He, he started working with Dana Dahlquist at the end of last year, who, um, is going to be on the podcast on Wednesday and and talk about some of the things that they've been doing. And clearly, he's gaining. And, um, you know, Matthew Wolf, he got the one win. 
you yeah. know, he, he's probably of the four, I, I think, has the longest ways to go from a ball striking standpoint. He's got the length, but statistically in the approach game, the wedge game, he um, he tends to struggle. But you look at you look at that golf swing and, you know, how do you see that golf swing lasting, you know, within the context of the tour for years to come? Matt Wolf's? Yeah. Again, it, it's it's nice to see different ways of moving the golf club. Like, obviously, anytime you get a guy that, that keeps the club head outside the hands as much as he does and gets it dropping under, he's he's finding some good spots in that downswing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's obviously a very powerful athlete as well, and he's, he's creating tons of club head speed. But um, it'll be interesting just to see how that holds up with some of the more finesse shots in the game. And like, I, I'm curious to see how his body holds up as the years go on. Um, whether, whether things evolve a little bit mechanically or whether he just sticks with it, you know, you got lots of guys that that's just the the move that they were born with and and can play their entire careers that way. So it's a very interesting way of moving the golf club. And, you know, it's been, it's been fun to see him have such early success up there. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, um, when you're looking for that exaggeration of the backswing of, you know, a player who maybe sucks the club head inside, he's always a good one to go to ride the club head out. When you're looking for that exact, when you're looking for that, that look of the shaft really shallowing out, he's a good one to go. He's a good one to go to. He's, you know, I like it. I I like the personality of, in these swings, and um, you know, I I frankly think you know the industry kind of moves too much into that cookie cutter of what it looks like. You know, the um, flat left wrist. Yeah. You know. Um, shallow it out, rotate, minimal closure aid. Like, you know, like we all know the science and, you know, there's a, there's a, maybe a perfect world perhaps, but when you're working with these top players, you know, the DNA of their swings, I appreciate the personality. I I really like watching Wolf play and I hope, um, you know, he can sure some things up in the approach game because that's clearly what he's missing right now. But my man, Sunjay M, man, I got to tell you, I love Sunjay M. I think he's, uh, I don't, you know, I, I think right now he's the most accomplished of the four. I think he's the most polished of the four. Yes. Um, but it'll be interesting to see his trajectory. He's someone that likes to play a lot. But man, I'll tell you, look at him statistically, and that dude has no weaknesses. I mean, he is, I mean, he is cat from driver to the putter. And, and you know, he's going to, he's going to easily win a handful of times on the PGA tour on the trajectory that he's going. Yes, absolutely. I mean, statistically, if you're that sort of steady right through the bag, you're, you're going to get there at some point. It's just a matter of finding the right golf course to sort of match you up. What do you, what do you like to see in the approach game? Talk to the listener about like the approach wedge game, watching some guys here, little wedges into shots, you know, just kind of clipping it, you know, like just that nice little bruising divot, you know, you got you got some guys that thump down on it, like Wolf mm-hmm. thump, thumps down on it. But what do you like to see from a hundred yards in the approach wedge game? From from a hundred yards, like as you're working with shots, typically, like I would explain it with most players, is once it starts getting closer to a full shot, we, we've got to start taking some turf and, and getting a little bit more of that downward strike, just to guarantee better contact and to better manage the trajectory of the shot. But but when it starts getting in closer, when we're talking maybe 20, 30, 40 yards there's there's a technique to be worked on where we're able to actually clip the golf ball and and truly pitch it up into the air with with less divot if not no divot at all 
And I think that's a big thing for, for the amateurs, the mid to high handicappers to understand sort of the differences in those two shots, more of that, the one's a bit more of a compression shot and the other one's a little bit more of a sweeping style shot. Mm -hmm. So you like to see a little less dig as you get closer. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of wedge play, Phil Mickelson just hold a bunker shot out on the fifth hole. <laughs> Standard day. Standard day. Yeah. <laughs> for a, for a, a birdie. Speaking of great short games, Phil Mickelson. Um, I mean, goodness gracious. I, it's like you get around the greens and it, it was fun to watch him. It was fun to watch him, you know, in the match, right? Like he was, he was talking about the shot that he hit just off of the green and he was talking about how the ball's going to skip because it was wet and then you know how it was going to react and then he just stepped up there and, and it did exactly that i mean it was like i mean that, that was just impressive and he's just kind of looking at everybody like well duh that's exactly what, <laughs> you know like that's, that's what that's what happens and yeah i mean the guy's a genius around the greens yeah you're exactly right he's an artist and he you know having having spent the time that he has around the greens over the years and that's what he's known for. He's known for having all the tools of the trade when it comes to being able to get that golf ball up and down. He's, he's truly a modern day Seve. You know, like the, the, I would say the greatest set of hands of all time. And the reason I say that is like, you look at his golf swing, it's a golf swing. That's not going to be taught. You're not correct. You're not teaching a Phil Mickelson swing. You're not going to teach someone to carry that much extension in the lead wrist on the way down extension in another words is like cupped and for Phil it'd be like his, his lead wrist. He's kind of, I don't know, lack for better. He's pulling down. Let's say he's got a little, yep. little cup in the wrist and, and, and it's going to get a bit steep and then he's got to stand the handle up at impact. And then he's got to take on a little more hands as a result of that. And here's a guy that's won 44 times with that hmm. pattern and has one of the, and arguably the best short game of, of all time, you know? So it's, it's just fascinating, right? I mean, Phil just looks at, hey, hey, guys, from a technique standpoint, um, just forget about all that and check this out. 44-time winner <laughs> on on tour. But it, is it fair to say that his pattern in the swing, that extension, which can be good in short game, right, and having the sensitivity of how that club is interacting is such a big reason why he's so good around the greens. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like somewhat similar to like a Bubba Watson where they have – Swings that, you know, we wouldn't necessarily try to model after, but just truly gifted hands and just the ability to sort of manipulate the club and, and its interaction with the turf. That's that's stuff that it's not just purely mechanical. They just have a feel for it. Mm -hmm. How do you work on the, like once you, what, what kind of order do you take around the grade? Let me move you in closer now as you're working with students. You know, what if I had to say, you know, tech setup, technique um feel distance control like what kind of order are you putting things in and trying to get people to to kind of follow maybe a, a some sort of a template when building a variety of short game shots i always start with contact first so okay. you know what with a short game whether it's putting and chipping it's about being able to guarantee solid striking and it, I almost ignore the distance control aspect of it in the initial phase, just to give them, give them that, that affirmation that they're able to strike the golf ball off the center of the face, get the correct interaction between the club and the turf. And then once they start clipping it efficiently, then we can start looking at the, the variables that then will relate to distance control. And 
whether it's putting or chipping or, or bunker shots or whatever, when they, when they can start getting used to the contact first, mm-hmm. it becomes a little bit more logical, I guess, to their brains as to how then to hit it further or hit it a little bit shorter. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It's like just, just kind of build the contact and don't worry about how far. Let's just, let's just solidify the right kind of setup and technique to improve the probability of impact. Let me throw this statement. I use this a lot on my platform. I say I'm in the business when I'm working with amateurs, like I'm in the business of improving the probability of your impact, you know, mm. like that's, that's what we can do. Like in, in, you know, there's certain patterns that suggest certain impact points and a certain level of consistency and a certain level of play. There's always outliers, but if I can layer in things to improve the probability of impact, well, then all of a sudden you're hitting a better shot. You're more consistent. You start to discover what that means for you and you start building more skill what do you think of that? I love the way that you put that, you know, because because contact's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed to really any level of skill. And there's there's so many variables at play, especially when we're on the golf course and the lies are changing and the pressure's there and the, the grass is different. And I think that especially for the average golfer to understand first and appreciate, like, this is a challenging game. And, and even if it's just a chip shot, there's a lot that can go wrong. So our role as coaches is like you said, we're going to ensure that the way that you're moving the golf club just gives you the best chance and, and we'll help you guide you in either direction that you may need to go, but we're, we're going to ensure that you have a better chance and a better way of adapting your setup or, or the movement to the environment. Yeah. Golf is back. That's right. We have a full weekend of golf ahead of us. And even though the trophy is reserved for the winner, the big cash prices don't have to be. To add to the excitement, DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of action with the free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. It's easy to play. Just pick six golfers, stay under the salary cap, and submit your lineup before the tournament tees off on Thursday. Then sit back and follow the action. The more red numbers they have on the leaderboard, the closer you'll be to winning some green. Rack up the points for pars, birdies, finishing position, and more. In a time of limited sports, this is your chance to scratch your competitive itch and reign supreme. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code Travis during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes. That's code Travis, and you get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes only at DraftKings. Speaking of good setup or good short games, Kevin Na, he's in 66-66. That guy just that guy just cracks me up, man. Like just watching that guy play golf is is an absolute pleasure i mean he is he is the modern day Corey pavin i mean you know bunts it out there off the tee just good iron player terrific around the greens on the green 66 i mean he's like one of those guys that you know you're playing with and you're like man he had to be a couple over and then you're you're in there signing your card and he's like yeah hey, nice playing with you it's like wait a minute does that say 66 <laughs> <laughs> He just doesn't do anything that wrong. Uh, he he is a he's a trip. I mean, he can really he can hold it together. He can grind. I mean, he's he's the true pro, right? Like, you know, he's he's a kind of guy that it looks like seventy five and he shot seventy one. You know, it looks like seventy one. He shot sixty nine. Like he he's not gonna he's not gonna give strokes away, um, and he's gonna grind it out. And that's one of the things that impresses me the most with these players. 
um, in my time around them is, you know, they, they grind. I mean, they can really hold it together and they're not going to let the emotional aspect get in the way if they start to put a bad streak together. And I saw that today with Spieth, you know, again, I mean, I mean, Spieth could be one of the best scramblers of all time. I mean, the dude can't find the planet off the tee. And, and, and somehow he's probably going to make the cut here again um, at the Travelers, as I think, as I'm pulling him up here. Yeah, he's four under. I think the cut's going to move to four under. It's at three right now. So I think he's in. But I got to tell you, man, I mean, the first the first six holes today, he, I mean, he, he's right of right. I mean, he is all over the place with his driver, makes three consecutive bogeys. And he grinds back. And here he is at four under and you're signing your card and you're like, how in the world are you even going to make the cut based off what I saw in the front nine? Right. It's, it's good to see. I mean, obviously Jordan's had some, some poor results over the last year, but um, the last couple of weeks, I believe he's done a lot better. And uh, maybe he's one of those guys where that, that little bit of a break and time off will, will give him what he needs to, to do some good things going forward. You know, he's, he's such a good putter, such a good wedge player. And, and him getting the putter rolling a lot better again is really going to be what he needs going forward. You know, I watch, I watch Spieth. Um, I watch uh, Daniel Berger when he won a couple weeks ago. These guys, when they hit these little short shots around the green, um, they hit it with a lot of speed. You know, like they can really hit that little high spinner or that little, mm -hmm. uh, you know, high spinner as in, in not – trajectory but a lot of spin yeah. yeah and as you know it takes friction and speed to be doing that they're not they're not just like deselling letting the club just try to like fall under i mean they are hitting it with a lot of speed and the ball comes out medium trajectory and then it has a lot of spin on it i mean to me that's a professional golf shot and, and one that that people want to know how to hit you get that a lot in your tee Certainly, you know, and it's it's a golf shot that takes a lot of confidence. And these guys, obviously, as you mentioned, bringing that kind of clubhead speed into a shot of that short of a distance, you have to have practiced that type of a movement and understood how the ball reacts, like similar to what we were talking about with Phil. And like we we know that in order to hit that shot, we've got to be able to. We need enough loft. We need to hit down on it enough, and we need to have solid enough contact for us to be able to create the friction that we need to get that spin on it. Is it fair to say around the greens, our listeners, you've got to be able to hit a shot where you lean the shaft forward and the club shaft kind of stays in line with the lead arm. And then you also got to be able to hit a shot where the club head passes the left wrist sooner. And then all the little variations that kind of will build upon that. But one where you kind of maybe you're not dragging it, but you're, you know, it, it's, it's in line. And then, and then one where it's, you're letting it kind of pass a little bit. And then, of course, you've got some where they, you know, it passes quickly. So, um, but you've got to have the sensitivity of that um, understanding of how that works at the bottom. Certainly, you know, it's, it's just tools in the toolbox, so to speak, in the short game. And if you're if you're a player that's already breaking a hundred, maybe you're trying to break eighty for the first time. That's a shot that you need to have. You, you've got to have at least a couple options around the green. It can't just be one shot fits all. What do you recommend as far as um, if you had to give if you had to give the listener right now in putting as I watch these guys rolling up to the to the seventh green here to hit some putts? John Rom, I think 
one of the best putters in the world. I mean, I, you know, the guy's got tremendous incredible yeah. length and, and I mean, incredible iron player, but I mean, the dude can really putt too. Um, when you look, when you think about a ROM and you think about the best putters and you think about what you see on the lesson tee, if you had to give someone right now heading into the weekend, one or two things to consider, what would it be? A huge thing that I see all the time is that lifted and outside takeaway. And it's such a difficult thing for players to understand. But when you sort of lift the club away, kind of an outside and up takeaway with putting, you just end up cutting across it. You put a lot of backspin into the golf ball. The ball doesn't come off rolling. So especially when it comes to putts that are left to right, it's just a nightmare for that right-handed golfer. So I think with, with many, many players, often that first thing that I'm looking at, if it's outside of the conversation of their setup, is more related to getting that putter a little bit lower, a little bit more inside, and helping them contact that golf ball just slightly on the upswing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I mean, there's just uh, you got you got less to do, right? If you can get it, if you can get it going that way, um, going back that outside takeaway and putting um, can be can be very difficult to deal with. Yeah, well, it's one of those things where I'd, I'd rather see a player too low and too inside mm. than outside and up you know and if a guy starts going a little bit too much in at least we know that the ball's going to come off rolling really well yeah well i want to finish up here with the stripe show i got uh, a couple more names here i'm going to throw at you and i appreciate you uh jumping on I'm here with alex riggs here on the stripe show podcast so a little rapid fire here as we as we wrap up the show who are you taking, Rory or Dustin, this year? Who's going to have the better year? You're asking the wrong guy. I'm a, I'm a Rory guy <laughs> all day long. He, he's a good buddy of mine, and um, oh yes, yeah, we we know each other very well from okay. from in Dubai. So uh, he, he's my guy, and I think he's going to have a great year. Is there a better guy than Rory McIlroy on the PGA Tour? <laughs> I don't think so. He's he's a solid guy inside and out, and. You know, on and off the golf course, he's just a really good human being. Yeah. Brooks Kepka or John Rum? Mm. I I'm gonna have to go with John. From a standpoint of just overall game, as good as his putting is, as good as his iron play is, I'm gonna go John. Yeah. That's a tough one, you know. I mean, that's uh that's a tough one there, you know, between those two. I mean, Brooks, it's unfortunate. Brooks had to withdraw. Um, he really finally showing some signs last week. I'm sure he's he's fairly frustrated. Uh, Xander Schauffele or Patrick Cantlay? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Xander. On, I mean, that's, that's, again, such a tough call. Yeah. Both guys are just tremendous, tremendous young talents. Um Having not personally seen much of Patrick, only seen him on on video, uh, I have to go Xander. He he really has impressed me with what I've seen with his game, what he's been able to do internationally. He's just a solid player. Tiger Woods or Webb Simpson? <laughs> oh, that's an interesting one. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, you know I'm a, I'm a Tiger guy, so with Tiger, I guess it always comes down to how many events he's going to play. Um, it's, it's been great to see Webb and his success. He's obviously a guy that you, you don't look at and assume he's going to win a ton of tournaments, but you just look at his stats throughout his career and he is a solid, solid golfer. 
Um, but I, I'm still going to lean on my laurels and, and go with my man Tiger. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll see Tiger soon. Hopefully yeah. the, uh, the PGA tour is going to survive, uh, what's going on here with uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic is, you know, these pop up, it gets the, it gets a little bit more difficult. The good news is the, the cases that are happening, um, you know, very, very few. I think the only person that showed any symptoms, Danny McCarthy was a little stiff, didn't feel quite right, but nothing too bad in the way of symptoms. Um, so hopefully the, the tour can continue to move forward. we got a lot of golf to play ahead and um and one of the guys that uh, is up there on the leaderboard uh is brendan Steele. shot 69 62 he's got the round of the day uh at 62 and i'm gonna i'm gonna finish up the stripe show podcast here special friday edition um as we as i sit here and sip on an orange blossom from let's see here who makes this it's a local brewery here but um as I, I'm gonna, we're going to finish up this, this the Stripe Show podcast with a little conversation um, that I had with Rick Smith, who who works with uh, Brendan Steele, and we caught up um, after Brendan knocked the ball in the water there and uh, lost the tournament there early in the year. But I wanted to talk to Rick about his unusual pattern that he has, the very strong grip. Mm-hmm. and some of the things that they worked on. So we're going to play a little bit here to finish up the Stripe show. Uh, Alex, I appreciate you jumping on and uh, talking some golf. All the best to you up in uh, up in Toronto. And uh, keep spreading the good word on these uh, Encore golf balls as well. Thanks a lot, Travis. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for joining us here. Here's a five-minute clip. Brendan Seals coach, Rick Smith on this pattern. It's really interesting stuff. Brandon Seal right now sitting at T3. Heading into the weekend at the Travelers Championship. We'll see you next week. Perfect. Obviously, he's got a very strong left hand and excessively to the right when you started with him. You know, talk about yeah. what you did to, you know, work around the stronger grip to kind of get things to match up to a, a, a playable ball flight. Well, I think fundamentally what was great is that, you know, one, I didn't I never changed his grip. You know, here we were at Bay Hill in March. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line was I had to make something work. And the biggest things that I noticed, Travis, was that his path was bad because one, he would back then he'd take it back to the inside and he would end up at the top of his swing. He would end up on his in his transition, his pelvis would move inward his spine he had a lot of side bend and at the same time so his pelvis went inward his spine he went into a ton of side bend Mm -hmm. hands got exceptionally high at impact and he would flip it over and he managed his hands i mean he won with that in san antonio but imagine you know he just said i have one good week and then i have eight off weeks you know so he knew he was not consistent, but we we really worked hard. It was very amazing where focused on post-impact, uh, much lower shaft exit. His exit post-impact was through his head. Mm-hmm. And so, again, you know, good rotation in posture. It's easier to have a lower exit and where his body was moving correctly. And so by getting rid of his pelvis inward, you know, a good 
a good four inches yeah. of thrust inward um, with a ton of side bend, up and out, spine would straighten, hands would get high at impact. So by feeling like his pelvis was out, left hip was rotating, trunk was rotating, uh, core was rotating, He the low exit started to happen more naturally. It started coming out at his left shoulder blade. He then learned he could hit cuts. He could draw. He could still draw. He loves hitting a. Um, I have him hitting cuts all the time just to keep things neutral mm-hmm. because of his tendencies and innate tendencies to swing out and hit hooks. And again, as you know, pretty hard to play when you have the club moving away, let alone out out to the right with high hands with a strong grip. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the last thing you need. So it wasn't compatible. And uh, so we continued to work on that. And ironically, I think back in the early days when he used to work the club inside, he didn't work it inside anymore because his intention was so post-impact. You know, I call it razor blades where the arc, your hand lines working inside the arc, never drifting into the razor blades, so to speak. Um, If the razor blades are placed, you know, on an arc inside you know, by the hand line. So mm-hmm. I would bend a club. I would bend a club and have him hit balls and never hit my shaft. And so, you know, I remember working with Nicholas and Lee Jansen in the old days and, and, and talking about how important the razor blades were. And it was an image that really was important to him. And I think the other image was that realizing that, you know, the golf swing is an arc and, and it's a two, two ended implement where you've got the club head and you got the handle and you both, you have to respect both ends. Yeah. And, uh, and it really helped him to understand that. And of course his club, you know, was always, always closed, but you know, as we see so many great players playing close these days, it eliminates right. And, uh, gives you confidence to offset and have better body motion to support, the closure rate. So his closure rate, he still has closure rate, but it's just a slower closure rate, yeah. so to speak, as you see with every close face place, close, close face guy. So that, that, so the shot on in the, the 18th, that hook, that that's his miss, right? And that's just where he kind of reverts a little bit back it, to the old way. Um, well, and if the body stops, obviously yeah. we have a problem. If he swings out, he has a problem. Yeah. If he changes posturally, he has a problem. If yeah. he goes into the old the old move where his pelvis moves in and then he goes into a big tilt, yeah, we got a problem. So uh, obviously, it was very odd to see. I think his routine, everything slowed down. You know mm-hmm. where I wish the heck he could have played through that group. You know because yeah. he needed momentum. He he just needed to keep going, and everything slowed down, and it was hard. Obviously, hit a good tee shot, but I was baffled by the second. Yeah. And then um, it kind of blew me away a little bit. But, you know, frankly, if he hits a green at 17, it's over. You know, it's over. And he nuked it. He just 